Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawking Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. There's, there's great character development, uh, inspiring sports moments, um, and real-life uh, portrayal of struggle and, and hardship. And the show centers around a high school football... Use the mic, okay. Sorry, everybody. The show centers around a high school football team in Dillon, Texas, called the Dillon Panthers. My sister's a high school football teacher. She's a high school teacher in Texas. So I've heard the stories about Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas. And football is one of the biggest things down there. And during the pregame rituals, the Dillon Panther football team gathers in the locker room. And Coach Eric Taylor gives his pep talk. And the team gathers together and they chant their motto clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And I've been thinking about those words, clear eyes, full hearts, as it relates to Christmas and our celebration of our Savior's birth. For years I've thought about Christmas and how how different it is than Easter and how we celebrate it. You know, in our culture, Easter is a one-day event. And yet Christmas is a whole season from Thanksgiving to December 25th, the whole world is celebrating uh, the Christmas season. And most of our culture embraces the festivities of the season, you know, hanging up the Christmas lights, putting up the Christmas tree, giving presents to one another. So our traditions become very normal in our culture. I've also been thinking about how many characters play out in our Christmas celebration. Along with Jesus, we have Santa Claus, we have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We have little Ralphie. And even Buddy the Elf now is part of our celebration year in and year out. And these are some of the characters that have begun to take part of the stage in all our traditions. Uh, the other day I was driving Joshua to school with his friend. Let me tell you, sixth grade conversations are truly fascinating. And they often get into these debates, and recently they've been talking a lot about Christmas. And the other day, Joshua said these startling words. He says, I don't like Santa Claus to his friend. I'm like, wow, where's this going to go? And his friend responded, if you don't like Santa Claus, you don't like God. (laughs) And so at that moment, I had to step in. It was getting heated between the two of them. But later I asked Joshua, why, why don't you like Santa Claus? And he told me, I don't like Santa Claus because he is not Jesus. And so I've been thinking about this and how the characters in our Christmas celebration, especially Santa Claus, are often not neutral. And I thought the kids' message today was awesome. It was a very redemptive way to utilize Santa Claus to point back to Jesus. Uh, But this morning, we're going to look at this passage from from Luke chapter 2, which Sonal read for us, where Simeon gets to meet the newborn Jesus. And I believe as we look at this text, God wants to see his son Jesus reclaim the center stage in our hearts 
during our Christmas celebration. That Jesus just wouldn't be one of the characters, but he would be the main character in how we give our attention and embrace to the Christmas season. I'm sure many of us have begun our our celebrations, our our festivities, our preparations. And I, I think our traditions are great, but more than the traditions, I pray that there would be a true transformation, that Jesus would reign in how we celebrate this season in our lives. So just, I want to pause right now and just pray for us as we dive into the text. God, we thank you for this, uh, this day that we can gather and just celebrate who you are, uh, turn our hearts back to you. And God, I pray today that you would truly once again capture our hearts. That, Lord Jesus, that you would come down and you would reign in us. That you would take center stage in our lives. God, we recognize in days like this where we see our world is filled with darkness, that we would truly encounter you once again as the true light of the world. So we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come and that you would reign in us. We pray this for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The passage begins uh, with Joseph and Mary fulfilling some of the traditions of the law of the Jewish people. Um, On the eighth day of Jesus' life, they brought him to the temple to be circumcised. You know the lyrics of Away in the Manger? The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. It must have been a woman that wrote that song, because that song could not have been true on the eighth day of Jesus' life. I can almost guarantee that he shed tears on the day of his circumcision. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Then Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to Jerusalem to be presented at the temple as was the tradition of dedicating one son. And next we see a man appear on the scene. His name was Simeon. And this is the only time that he shows up in the Bible. And I just want to make three quick observations about Simeon. The first one is from Luke 2, 25. It says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The first observation is Simeon was a man in waiting. At some point in time, the Lord had shown Simeon that he would see with his own eyes the promised Messiah before he died. Often when we're in a process of waiting, it usually brings about frustration and angst and impatience. It says that Simeon here was eagerly waiting. It reminds me of a child waiting for Christmas morning. A child seen the Christmas presents under the tree for weeks now. And there's a longing and expectation that's mounting as each day passes. Simeon was waiting with expectation and hope. Then it says, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Second thing is we see here's a man who is surrendered to God. And he's finding his marching orders from the Spirit rather than his own will. It, do, it doesn't say if Simeon knew this was the day that he would experience what he was waiting for. But the Spirit leads him to the temple to encounter Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. Then he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. I'm sure each one of us have had had a crowning moment in our life, no matter how young or old you are. A season of waiting that comes to an end, and there's a sense of deep satisfaction and overwhelming gratitude. Maybe it was toiling through college, long nights of study, enduring exams, and then finally graduation day comes, and you aren't sure how, but they hand you a diploma. And yet now you're no longer a student, but an alumni. For the moms in the room, nine months of carrying around this little human being in your body and thinking this baby is never going to come out. And then D-Day comes, delivery day, and your child arrives on the scene of this world. And there's that glorious moment where you get to hold your child for the very first time. Simeon's words here reflect the incredible significance of this moment for him. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. He's like, God, this is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for my whole life. And now I'm ready for my time on this earth to end. To see and to hold Jesus was the culmination of Simeon's life. Once he encountered Jesus, he was satisfied and at peace. Simeon was a man who waited. A man who was led by the Spirit of God. And a man who found deep satisfaction and joy in seeing and experiencing Jesus. And I want to build on that last thought. What would it look like for us today and in this Christmas season to be like Simeon? To be satisfied, at peace, and full of joy by seeing and experiencing Jesus Christ? Or to put it another way, what would it look like for us to have clear eyes to see Jesus? Or to have full hearts from connecting with Jesus Christ? So there's two points uh, this morning. The first one is clear eyes to see Jesus. My kids and I, we we play a game which we call Tiger. It's a version of hide-and-seek where I pretend to be a tiger and I hide. And I'm on all fours, so it's very uncomfortable for me. Uh, But when they find me, I run out there to capture them and tackle them, and they love it. And the game would be no fun at all if I found a place in our house where they could not find me. The game comes alive in the seeking 
and the finding, not the hiding. It's important for us to remember that God isn't interested in hiding from us. Uh, Throughout the story of Scripture, God has been trying to get our attention so that we would see him. He's a God who wants to be known. He's a God who wants to reveal himself to us, and he wants to be seen. Simeon says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Simeon is speaking prophetically that Jesus is not just for a select few, but he has God's plan for salvation made available to all, for everyone to see. You know, I've grown up in Chicago, lived here my whole life. As winter approaches, this is a difficult season for us. Uh, we, we've been very fortunate with the weather so far, but let me tell you, it's, we know it's coming. It's going to get brutal soon. And on top of the coldness, I mean, the sun is setting earlier and earlier each passing week. And I don't know about you, but driving home in the early evening and it's dark out, it's very depressing. Yet, yet in this season... Of Christmas. As the, the darkness settles in, I love how the Christmas lights pop up in the neighborhoods. Magnificent colors and glorious displays of light that penetrate the darkness. There's something beautiful and capturing about light in darkness. And Simeon talks about Jesus in this way. He says, Jesus is a light to reveal God to the nations. He has come for the whole world to experience illumination that all peoples, all ethnic tribes, all ages would come to see who God really is. And Isaiah says this about the prophecy of the Messiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Darkness is spiritual imagery for ignorance and rebellion. Reminding us that many live in oblivion to the God who made us and loves us. And Jesus came as a light to invite people out of the captivity of darkness and back to the Father. You know, the last few days with the the tragedy in Newtown, I mean, our whole country, our hearts are breaking and mourning for the city and the families affected. And no one needs to tell you after seeing that there's darkness in this world. It's undeniable. And yet, I think in the midst of the darkness, you know, as we pray for these families, that God would, would comfort them. We cannot lose hope that Jesus is still reigning. That even today, Jesus shines as the light of the world. And he stands above the darkness. And then one day, all this will be made right. All of evil will be brought to an end. And everyone will see that Jesus truly is the light of the world. And I think for us, 
if Jesus truly is shining today, the question then becomes, do we have the eyes to see him? Is our vision of Jesus Christ clear or foggy? And I think in the season of the holidays and all our traditions, one way for us to see Jesus is really to understand the traditions that point back to Jesus Christ. And I thought, again, the kids' message today was beautiful. Many of the symbols of Christmas uh, and, and Santa Claus telling us how they point back to Jesus. But often we can go through the motion of these traditions and we forget how they truly connect back to Christ. And I just want to share briefly about the tradition of the Christmas lights. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther, the great reformer, was taking a walk through the German woods, and it was a late December evening. And it was a, the woods covered with evergreen trees, and it was a starry night. And as the starlight filtered through the branches of the evergreen trees, uh, he was captured by God in that moment. He, 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 set, he sensed the presence of God, and he studied the scene which he was immersed in. He saw the light that covered the trees. And he went home, and they had Christmas trees back then, uh, but he began to, to light candles and put it on a candle holder and put it all over his Christmas trees. And this phenomenon wowed his friends and family. And he began to teach people about Jesus and the true light of the world. And that began the tradition of our Christmas lights. And these last few days with the tragedy, as I, I've been looking at our Christmas tree and the lights on it, I've been trying to remember that Jesus still is the light of the world. So when you drive through the neighborhoods and you see the Christmas trees and the houses, or you head home today and turn the lights of your Christmas tree on, in those moments, embrace Christ. And remember that he truly is the light that shines in the darkness. And I encourage you as a family to think through all of your traditions this season and discover how you can point them back to Jesus Christ. I have to admit, I'm not the best at this. My wife does a great job for our family, establishing traditions and pointing our kids back to Jesus through them. So clear eyes to see Jesus Christ. The second point is full hearts from experiencing Jesus. Simeon doesn't just lay eyes on the baby Jesus. That was not enough for him. He grabbed the Savior of the world into his arms, praising God. As he held Jesus, he marveled in awe at the gift of God to humankind. You know, it would be torture for a child to open up a Christmas present, to tell the child, you can't open that. You can just look at it in the box. To see is one thing. To, to touch and hold and connect takes it to the next level. And for Simeon, there was such a deep joy and delight as he connects with the promised Savior. And Jesus' arrival dawns a new era for Israel. 
Simeon says that not only is Jesus the light to the nations, but he is the glory of your people, Israel. He is the one who God's people have been waiting for. And he would fulfill the promises God had made to his people. And for for the Israelites, there were many heroes in their tradition. From Abraham to Moses to David, people have been revered and were faithful to stand up for God. But here comes one who will stand above all of them. The one who will truly be the glory of Israel once and for all. With Jesus' arrival, there is a pinnacle point in human history. And with the fulfillment of the promised Messiah comes full hearts for those who will embrace Jesus for who he truly is. I truly believe many of us have experienced the wonder and sheer awe of connecting with Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. For many of us, there have been unforgettable moments in our lives where we encountered Jesus in a very real way. And maybe for some of us or most of us, it's been a long time since you experienced one of those moments. And you find that your heart right now is not captured by Jesus. It's being filled with other things. You know, I try my best to eat a healthy diet. But my downfall is I love to snack. Whether it's sweet and chocolatey or salty and cheesy, those are temptations that are hard for me to resist. And you know how it is with bad carbs? They never fill you up. You eat some, you just want more and more. And you never feel better after eating them. And I wonder if this describes the diet of many of our hearts. There are many things that we're trying to fill our lives with that we think will bring satisfaction to our hearts. Yet they don't satisfy. And they just lead us to crave more and more to no end. And our hearts are often unfulfilled because we lose sight of where true life And true satisfaction comes from. Jesus says in this familiar promise in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm so thankful for this verse. Because it strikes against the lie that life with God is somehow a drudgery. Or second best or that somehow we're missing out on what is better. There is a fullness of life that Jesus offers us that no one else or nothing else can compare to. Jesus is the glory of Israel, and he wants to be the glory of our own lives. And as I I was reflecting on this, I really believe we need to pay attention to the activities uh, that we engage in and to be able to identify those things that connect us to the glory of God, those things that bring us the fullness of life that Jesus offers us. 
For example, there's a, there's a football game, I believe, this afternoon. And it's, it's gotten pretty heated uh, between the players this week. And even amongst the fans, there's never a lack of trash talking. Uh, Pastor Frank posted this on Facebook recently. I have to admit, this is pretty good. This is really good. Um, I tend to like this one a little bit better, though. You guys can turn it off. (laughs) Anyhow, depending on the outcome of today's game, I'll I'll be honest, I'm going to be a happy man or I'm going to be a sad man. Uh, The game does affect me. Uh, But in a day or two, the feelings will fade away. And the outcome of the game will lose its impact in my heart. And I enjoy and I love the game of football. But I realize it's not an activity that connects me to the glory of God and the fullness of life. And I'll continue watching football, but I've got to hold it in check. On the other hand, a, a similar activity that I've engaged with more and more Uh, I'm surprised, but this year I've really started to enjoy running. I I know for many of you that's just crazy, and I'm still trying to figure out why I run myself, uh, why I endure the pain. Some people say that those who run are running away from something. Pastor Dave. (laughs) But I really believe when I run that I'm actually running towards something. That when I run, I get a taste of something deeper in my soul that God has made me for. And I truly experience a fullness, a delight, and a connection to God. So running for me is not something that's hindered me spiritually. It's very much the opposite. It's awakened something new in me uh, to be able to connect with God and to experience his glory and the fullness of life that he offers. We have to believe that God wants us to have full hearts. He wants us to experience the joy of deep and satisfying connection with him. What are the activities in your life that you sense a deep connection with God that might be unexplainable? Of course, reading the Bible and praying, those are the obvious ones. But what about the ones that we often don't think of? You know, maybe for you, you love working with your hands and like woodworking and working on a car, something you really enjoy, and there's a deep satisfaction. Find the glory of God in that activity. Or maybe for you, you love to cook and you love to craft a meal. And to to watch people enjoy your cooking. Experience the glory of God in that moment. I believe we can experience the glory of Jesus Christ in so many different ways. And sometimes we'll be surprised where Jesus shows up, where he brings us true life. A very simple next step to take is before you go to bed at night. Think through your day and think about when did you experience joy? What activity did you engage in today that brought 
a deep satisfaction and connection to God. And when you identify those activities, thank God for them. You continue to pursue them for his glory and not your own. As we close, I want to take a look at the final words of Simeon to Mary. Then Simeon blessed them. He said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Simeon is very forthright and direct with Mary about how Jesus will divide humanity into two camps. Those who oppose and are against Jesus, and those who experience joy because of Jesus Christ. And it just reminds us that our response to Jesus will never be neutral. And I really believe as we enter and engage this Christmas season, how we celebrate and embrace this season will not be neutral. Either Jesus will be center stage in our hearts and our celebration, or he will just be one of the characters playing out in our story. And I just want to invite us as we uh, take a few moments to respond and to pray together. Uh, before I pray, I want to give you a moment uh, just to come to Jesus Christ personally and ask him once again to take center stage in your heart today. Ask the Lord to let your eyes be captivated by who Jesus truly is, that he is the light of the world, that he is the one who shines in the darkness. And to ask Jesus Christ to capture and fill your heart once again. That you would experience his glory and truly embrace him for who he is. And maybe for you, you've been around church for a long time. Yet, if you are honest with yourself, you've never had that moment where you've seen Jesus clearly. Or you responded to who he is. And maybe today is the day that you take that next step and just open up your heart to Jesus Christ. And to ask him, Jesus, show me that you're real. Let me see who you truly are. Let me experience you as the light of the world. And the one who will truly give me life. So take a moment uh, before the Lord and just come to him as you are. And then I'll pray for us. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.